Hey everybody, what's up and welcome into Best on the Board presented by BetMGM. Michael Beller here with you. It is Tuesday, April 12th and we have a full slate of Major League Baseball ahead of us. 15 games on the slate today. They get started about two hours from when we are recording this episode of Best on the Board. So we'll look a little beyond that Red Sox-Tigers game to the games taking place later in the day to make sure you can take advantage of what we offer you here on Best on the Board to break down this 15 game slate in Major League Baseball is with me, Derek Van Riper. DVR, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, Beller? It's nice to get through the rotation the first time. We're looking at a lot yeah. of number five starters today and some pitchers we have not seen at the big league level before. So definitely some interesting names to watch just from a pure baseball perspective on Tuesday. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. We've also circled back around to the A starters uh, for some teams in certain spots. So it's uh, we, we you know it, it, that first week everyone's on the same level, everyone's on like that same path, and now that we've made it around for some teams, but not for all, we've got everything jumbled up in a way that you know looks a lot more like a typical MLB day. So it, it makes it a lot of fun, especially with all those games that are available to us. So we're going to mix things up a little bit here. We've got some straight bets on you know sides and totals, but we've also got a little bit of run line, a little bit of first five, a little bit of player props. So a lot of different uh, action coming at you with our six plays on this episode of Best on the Board. Three apiece. DVR, why don't you get us started with the first, I think this is, yeah, first player prop that we've had as a MLB bet on Best on the Board. What do you got for us here? Well, it's fitting that it's one of the most exciting players in baseball, Wander Franco, over one and a half total bases, plus 110 at BetMGM. The matchup is a great one for the Rays. Adam Aller is pitching for Oakland. It's his big league debut. It's on the road. We know the Rays are one of those teams that can score runs in bunches. Aller's a great story, but he's not a highly regarded prospect. He was among the players that the A's got back in that series of trades they made after the lockout. I think on top of this being a guy that doesn't necessarily have great stuff, making his big league debut in difficult circumstances, the A's project to have one of the worst bullpens in the league. So even if Aller comes out and pitches well, Wander's going to get a couple of plate appearances against some very shaky relievers in this matchup as well. Looking back to last season as a rookie, this is just remarkable. Wander Franco averaged just over 1.8 bases per game. It's just sick for a guy who who debuted as young as Wander did. So this one's a really fun bet. Like I never want to bet against Wander. I would always take no. an over on any sort of Wander prop, and I think this is a great situation to do it in on Tuesday. Already 9 for 15 on the season. I mean, just like this guy has just, I mean, he's he's 21 years old and has checked like every single box that's been placed before him in his, in his professional career. It's just, it's totally ridiculous how he has just like seemingly not been met with any sort of challenges that he hasn't been able to raise up, raise himself up to. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no real known ceiling with him. He could mm-hmm. be the best hitter in baseball, and, and that's not at all discounting you know, what Juan Soto's doing and what Vlad Jr. does. I mean, that's the, that's the level that Wander can reach, and age to level, everything he's done to this point in his professional career has just been amazing. So that's actually a game that I'm, I'm really curious to watch. The Rays have someone debuting on the other side, and Tommy Romero, Another one of their pitching prospects who's going to have to probably pick up a little more of the load because we saw Luis Patino leave Monday's start early with an oblique injury. So get a good look at Romero on Tuesday because there might be some value on some of his future starts. 
Yeah, definitely a good thing to be watching in that matchup. I, I'm happy you brought a, a prop because I wanted to be able to bring some props. Didn't have enough time to study them once they were posted because I uh, had an NHL episode of Best on the Board earlier. So if you're a hockey fan listening to this, be sure to look up to the episode right above this in the feed. and You can get some uh, best bets from Kevin Kurz and Dom Luschisian about the uh, NHL slate that is taking place on Tuesday. But back to baseball, I'm going to get us to uh, my first play of the day, which takes place in Chicago, Mariners and White Sox. This is the White Sox home opener here, and uh, it's an interesting pitching matchup. It's uh, two of the classes of pitchers DVR that you mentioned. We've got Matt Brash making his debut, and then we've got Vince Velasquez, a bottom-of-the-rotation starter, getting the ball for the White Sox. I like the Mariners here on the first five money line, so that's my play. Mariners, first five money line. It is minus 105 on bet MGM, and really, DVR, this is nothing more than a bet on the top half of Seattle's lineup against a very shaky Vince Velasquez. Yeah, Vince Velasquez, we, we all know the story with him going back to the days when you know people were once upon a time excited about him coming up through Philadelphia. A guy who you know used to be able to blow hitters away, uh, but was always shaky with his command and control. And that's really been the red thread throughout his career. And now he's not necessarily in that blow hitters away portion of his career any longer. So I think that, you know, obviously on the, on the, you could say some similar things on the other side of this with Brash going up against that strong top half of the White Sox lineup, but this is a team that already dealing with some injuries in the uh, lineup. This team just uh, has had some pretty poor injury luck going back for a few seasons now, and so I think that the Mariners can get things going against Velasquez. You know, this is a team that will take the walks that are given to it, so I, I like Seattle in that spot, and I like it a little bit better than the full game money line because of what that White Sox bullpen can do. If, you know, if this game stays close, and again, that White Sox lineup is one that you're not exactly uh, super enthused to face, regardless of what injuries they might have going. If this game stays close, they can flip it. We know what that White Sox bullpen can do uh, with a lead. So I'm a little wary of the full game bet, but I think over the first five innings, Seattle is built to take advantage of the opportunities presented to it by a Vince Velasquez matchup. Yeah, I think you've got that hammered down perfectly. I mean, I think these two teams, if you give them a neutral pitching matchup are are closer in quality than people realize. I would you know, generally look at the White Sox as the slightly better team, but they both have the great bullpens. Velasquez is a weak link on this roster right now. I'm actually surprised that they ended up using Ronaldo Lopez out of the bullpen mm -hmm. uh, in their first series and went this route. I'm really curious to see if Ethan Katz, the pitching coach in Chicago, if he's done anything with Velasquez that's going to change his approach. If there's a change in pitch mix, if there's a change in location strategy, something that could make him more effective than he was in Philadelphia because on paper and in some of the underlying numbers, Lopez to me looked like the better pitcher. So I think you're right to go after the first five innings especially. Matt Brash looks absolutely filthy. I think he can keep even a very good White Sox lineup quiet in this start. Not a lot of tape for the White Sox to consult on Brash. Plenty of tape for Seattle to consult on Vince Velasquez as they get ready for this matchup. Let's move on over to Marlins and Angels DVR. The lines on this, you've got the Marlins as plus 120 on the money line for the full game. Angels minus 145, a total of nine in this one. Jesus Luzardo gets the ball for the Marlins. Patrick Sandoval for the Angels. What do you want to play in this game? I actually like the under in this game. Over-under total is 9. I'm on the underside of it. It's minus 110. I think the main reason for this, I started digging into the strikeout props for the two starters. Those are sitting at 5.5 for both Jesus Lazardo and Patrick Sandoval. These are two 
younger starters that I think we could see taking big steps forward this year. I think both could go five-plus innings relatively easily in this matchup. Both of these teams improved their bullpens this offseason, so I like that as well. Once these starters leave the game, there are high-quality relievers protecting leads and keeping this game uh, nice and, and tidy. The other thing that's going on here that we got to keep an eye on is Mike Trout's status. TBD after he was scratched from Monday's lineup with some some stomach discomfort. Even if he's back, this Angels lineup looks very top heavy right now. You know, it's Trout, it's Otani, it's Rendon, it's Jared Walsh, and then it's a lot of mixing and matching. Yeah, we like Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh long term. Those are two young hitters still finding their footing. They basically punted up the middle with shortstop and second base. David Fletcher puts a lot of balls in play, but he's not a feared hitter. So this is just one of those teams that I like them in the long run. I think they're going to have these ebbs and flows where they're not scoring a lot and their pitching and defense is going to have to come through. And that's going to be the case uh, in this matchup on Tuesday night. And on the Marlins side, when I look at them against the lefty, they're one of the, one of the teams that I think loses quite a bit in those matchups because they want to platoon a couple of their young hitters. They could possibly sit one or both of Jesus Sanchez and Jez Chisholm because of the way their bench is built. That gives me some pause because... Honestly, I think those are probably two of their four best hitters when things are going well. So if you're going to make the matchup even easier for Patrick Sandoval, I think that's a very bad thing for this Miami offense. So uh, I think the other thing you got to keep in mind, too, you're thinking about over-unders. You're probably thinking about weather a little bit. In the first series of the season at the Big A against Houston, we had some temperatures flirting with 100 degrees on those days. We're back into normal Southern California weather. Game time temperatures, probably a little under 70 degrees. So it's not going to be those gross hot conditions that we saw <laughs> where the ball was flying when the Astros were visiting in that first series. So I'm on the under in this matchup. Yeah, I, I like that. It's something I like a lot. And two two pitchers who, again, like, you know, love watching pitching early in the season um, just because of, you know, A, the overreactions. It's fun to indulge in an overreaction every now and again. And B, it's just, you know, so many of these guys we've had these thoughts about and we start to get to piece things together, you know, over one out of 25 or 30 starts rather than four out of 600 plate appearances. It does, it, each start feels meatier than each game's worth of plate appearance, even though they, you know, sort of come out in the wash at the end. And so he's Luzardo, Patrick Sandoval, a couple of guys who are very interesting this year for different reasons, both in gambling and fantasy context. So that's going to be a fun matchup, certainly, between those two guys and these two teams. I'm going to go back to a first five line here, DVR, in a game that, uh, again, should be should be fun uh, between the Mets and the Phillies. We've got a couple of good pitchers on the mound in this one. One great pitcher in Zach Wheeler and one up-and-coming pitcher in Tyler McGill. And so I'm going to trust that once again and the first five here and say that this game stays under four and a half runs in the first five innings. And really, it's it's as simple as that. It's as simple as buying McGill and Wheeler to be able to somewhat dominate the first five innings of this game. The weather's totally fine in Philadelphia. A meaningless wind expected to be blowing in in this game, mid to high 60s at first pitch. So they're certainly fine hitting conditions, especially for Philadelphia in the middle of April. They're totally good hitting conditions. And these are two pretty good lineups that uh, are not exactly going to be super excited about facing. But I just come back to Wheeler and McGill in this matchup. Two guys who, you know, I, I can, I think, get us through the first five innings of this game without giving up much. And this really comes down to almost DVR, like the first two innings. Because if you can get through those first, if you can get through that that first inning, or the first two innings, uns- totally unscathed, 
you know, one, two, three, one, two, three, then you reduce the possibility of having to face some of the middle of the order hitters once again. And so it's those first couple of innings. If these guys can come out, take care of business, then they don't necessarily have to get through the full meat of the order once again. This is uh, this is a spot that I like both of these pitchers and I trust both of these pitchers enough to say that they keep this under four and a half. And you, know, you don't expect to see something way less than four and a half. Four and a half, in fact, is about as low as you're ever going to see. Sometimes you'll see something down at four for the first five, but you still have some wiggle room at four and a half runs. This doesn't need to be you know perfect games or no hitters through the first five innings for both of these guys or one of these guys to stay under four and a half. So I like these pitchers. I think this is a, these are two lineups that you know they can handle enough through the first five innings and keep us under five runs, keep us under four and a half runs. That's where I'm going for second play of the day. Yeah, Tyler McGill makes a lot of sense as someone that's probably a little undervalued in a lot of circles right now. The mm-hmm. fastball velocity was up in that debut on opening night of a mile and a half per hour over last season, uh, throwing the changeup a lot harder, throwing the slider a little harder as well. Plenty of weapons here. He's got a curveball that he didn't really have to use that first time out, so he does have a fourth pitch that he could dust off if he tries to go through the lineup a third time, but you're not really worried about that. You're focusing on those first five innings. I think Zach Wheeler, because of the news we got late during spring training that he was dealing with some shoulder stuff back in December, people have sort of bailed on him as a top five starting pitcher temporarily and that might be a mistake I think that was just the result of the news cycle that was just us learning information about players during the lockout when nothing was happening for three months players came back started talking to reporters and saying oh yeah my shoulder bothered me in December but I'm fine now and word got out and people were like oh he's got shoulder problems (laughs) no no Zach Wheeler last year was amazing. And I think if he's completely healthy now and he appears to be completely healthy now, this is a fantastic pitching matchup on Tuesday night for these two teams. Okay, DVR, one more pick a piece. We're both going out west. I'm going to offer up mine first. Padres and Giants getting together. You, Darvish, and Alex Cobb. I love the Padres in this spot. It is an even bet. It is just minus 110. And I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe we're still having some sort of 2021 Padres fatigue plus 2021. Oh my God! Look at these 107 win Giants going on here. But I I think that this this line just feels way off to me. This does not feel like an even matchup with you, Darvish, taking the mound for the Padres. This Giants team, you know, we they played over their heads. It felt like all season last year, and I suppose almost any team that wins 107 games is playing over its head to a certain extent. But you just had so many guys in the middle to late stages of their career, have like 90th percentile seasons. And that is always going to be a dangerous recipe for the following year. We're not going to draw too many conclusions from the extremely early stages of the season. This Giants team scored 12 runs so far uh, in the very, very early going of this season. And again, not drawing conclusions, but that was always the concern, was that you know they lose Buster Posey, a handful of other offensive guys come back down to earth from where they were a year ago, and suddenly what was an elite, elite great team becomes a, a merely average to above average team. And I think that that's going to be a concern for the Giants all season long. Going up against you, Darvish, who got off to a great start uh, for the 2022 season last week against the Diamondbacks. It's just this shouldn't be a, a minus 110 on both sides. And that's where it sits. So this is as much a play on the price as it is on the Padres and on you, Darvish. But I think you put that all together and I feel very comfortable back in the Padres as one of my top three plays of the day. Yeah, I do think this game is going to be low scoring. It's been weirdly cold in the Bay Area. You could see it on TV last night, the way people were bundled up. 
keep an eye on the wind closer to game time just in case it's actually blowing out. That would be one thing that could change the, the makeup of this game. But I do think there's a significant edge here, Darvish over Cobb. What I'm curious to see in this pitching matchup is we had reports that Alex Cobb was throwing a lot harder this spring. I want to see how much of that he carries over, especially on a cold night at Oracle Park. But I agree with your points about the Giants. I think I was quick to dismiss what they did in the shortened season in 2020. By the end of 2021, I was finally starting to buy in. You know, after they added Chris Bryant, after they, they after they did it for four and a half months, I finally joined the bandwagon. And something about that Buster Posey retirement, even though they play without him in 2020, that's still weighing on my mind as something that's just very different about this team. I wonder how much swing and miss they actually have in their lineup, too, because among the big changes, you know, if you put Joey Bart in Buster Posey's place, one of your best hitters at making contact in the heart of your order is gone, and you've replaced them with a more three-true-outcome sort of player. And you don't have Bryant anymore. You're going to have to go out and eventually get someone else if you're going to get an upgrade here. I could see them being a team that strikes out more than they did last season, and they become a lot more dependent upon the long ball. And I think when conditions are cold and difficult like they're going to be early in the season, I think they're going to have a hard time scoring runs. So your concerns about the Giants seem warranted to me. And I say that as someone who's been wrong about them for the better part of the last two years. <laughs> Still a team that's going to you know pitch really well in the mm-hmm. in the starting rotation with Logan Webb and Carlos Rodon at the top, Di Scalfani, Alex Wood, and Alex Cobb down from the middle through the bottom. As we talked about before, we got going here. Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, oft injured but oft reliable when they are healthy. Like they're going to pitch. They're still going to be competitive. I'm not saying sell the Giants at all costs. I have reasons to doubt what this lineup is going to be able to do on a consistent basis, and that's just not a team that I want to back going up against you, Darvish. So give me the Padres at that minus. 110 price for the full game money line one more play here dvr it is from you it is astros and diamondbacks money line prices on this game minus 150 for the astros plus 125 for the diamondbacks astros minus or, or excuse me plus 105 on a minus one and a half a run line and that's where we look for our final play of the day yeah i love that astros plus 105 on the run line madison bumgarner has the ball for Arizona. The first thing I think of when I think of the Astros is a team that hits lefties very well. They led the league in WRC plus in each of the last two full seasons we've had. So in 2019 and 2021, the Astros have been the best offense in the entire league against left-handed pitching. And we're talking about Madison Bumgarner. We're talking about the 2022 version of Madison Bumgarner, an unfortunately much more hittable version of Bumgarner than we have grown accustomed to back in the the peak of the the Giants three World Series in five years back at the the early part of the 2010s. But I look at this Houston team, even without Carlos Correa, and they still drive a lot of fear into your opposing pitcher. Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Yuli Gurriel, Kyle Tucker, that's as good of a top six as you're going to have on any roster. Jeremy Pena looks like he might be a legitimate straight-up replacement for Carlos Correa on top of all that. And if somehow Madison Bumgarner can find a way to keep this offense relatively quiet, Arizona's bullpen is closer to like an Oakland-grade bullpen, a group of relievers that I do not have a lot of confidence in. Sure, they spent money on Mark Melanson, and yeah, they added Ian Kennedy, but they have two very old relievers that are pretty hittable, very contact-dependent relievers. I love this matchup because I think Houston is just miles better than Arizona. I think this is a good spot for Luis Garcia to come in and to get five or six strikeouts against a pretty mediocre Arizona offense. And I, I feel weird like 
immediately going against the Diamondbacks because I've talked about them throughout the entire draft season as mm-hmm. this team that is better than they showed us last year. They had that epic losing streak last year, had a lot of things go wrong as an organization, but they're still like a 70-win team. And the Astros are a playoff caliber team. And that gap is not reflected with with that run line. I, I just see such a, a gap. I see Garcia as like a top 30 starting pitcher mm-hmm. and Madison Bumgarner as barely a top 100 starting pitcher. And when you're getting that kind of, of difference and you look at the two lineups, the way these two, the teams are built right now, there's so much more I like about the Astros right now. Not necessarily only that difference, but as you said, a team that matches up very well in general on paper against what Madison Bumgarner tends to bring on a start-in and start-out basis. So there you go, our six plays for Tuesday's 15-game MLB slate. That will do it for this episode of Best on the Board. For DVR, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. Good luck. Happy betting. We'll talk to you soon.